My name is Eddie Couples, and I'm the lead pastor of Love and Truth Ministries, and I'm excited about you being with us today. I am believing that God is going to minister to you there and your campus as we give forth the Word of God here. So let's get ready to receive what God has today in His Word. The book of Luke, the first chapter, beginning in verse 46, says, My soul magnifies the Lord. Now this is Mary uh, as she begins to declare the greatness of what God is doing. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Now, last week we began talking about this whole aspect of making Christmas great. And, and I don't know about you, but, but there are times that I find that this whole Christmas season kind of gets that bah humbug feeling. All right? It's kind of like, man, I, you know, I, I'll just be so glad when all the, the rushing here and there and doing all the things and all the people who are going to come over to my house and when they go home and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. We could just hurry up and get through this. Let's get this over with so that we can move on to have real life. And, and yet what I began to think about that a few months ago as I was preparing as, as I do uh, for the year, I began to think, you know what, this really ought to be outside of the Easter season. As, as believers, this ought to be the greatest season that we celebrate. It really ought to be a great time. It ought to be a time where we are excited to be able to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, I know, don't get technical, I understand that Jesus was not born on December the 25th. I know that, so don't, you know, don't send me any emails with links too. I got it, all right? I, I'm, I'm, I can Google as good as you can. But here's what it does is it gives us a day where we can celebrate and we can look to what Jesus Christ meant when he came to this earth. And so last week we talked about that, some secrets of Christmas. And last week we talked about that no matter what your past is, that your present can be great. Uh, and, and we talked about how that no matter what even you're going through in the present, maybe there's trouble in the present, but that God is still there. And we all know, as we talked last week, that our future uh, is going to be great as we allow God to take us into that. And so as we looked at that, uh, there were some great things I hope you got last week. If you didn't, you can download it off the website or get a CD of it. Uh, but today I want to talk on this subject. Today I want to talk about attitude is everything. Would you say that with me? Attitude is everything. Come on, let's say that one more time. Attitude is everything. Have you ever been around people um, who it would not matter how good things were going, they would find something wrong with it? I mean, I've said before that, that you could give some, some people, you could give them a gold brick and they complain about how heavy it was. Right? I mean, it's like, really? Uh, you know, I just gave you a few thousand dollars and you're complaining about how heavy it is. And that's, the, that's attitude. Um, I grew up, as most of you know, my parents were missionaries and, and we lived in the jungle. And so um, I grew up in a plane more than I did a car until I was over seven years of age. My father was a pilot. And there is something in a plane called the attitude of a plane. Now, now a lot of you don't know that if you're not connected with planes, but planes have attitudes. All right. Now, what that means is, is that if, if you're flying, especially in the clouds, if you, if you don't know instrument rating, 
uh, you, you can get the attitude of the plane wrong. And that means that, that you're, you're going too far one side or the other because you can't tell, uh, because you can't see the ground and you're in the clouds. And so you, you have to, there's an instrument, a round instrument that has a plane on it. And the top of that's white and the bottom of it's usually a dark black color. And, and you, are, you are supposed to keep the wings of that plane in the attitude. And, and if you get that thing reversed, in fact, they, they tell us that a few years ago, that John Kennedy Jr., uh, when his plane crashed, probably what happened to him was that he got disoriented in a storm. He wasn't uh, able to keep the attitude of the plane right, and it went directly into the ocean and killed he and a couple of other people who were with him. And, and so attitude, you have to keep the attitude of that plane right if you want it to come into the place that you want it to be. Well, I want to tell you something. In our lives, we have to keep our attitude right. And we're going to use the story of Mary. Now, now watch this. We mentioned this last week. Mary is a teenage girl who, who shows up pregnant. And she can tell everybody that she wants to that this is of the Holy Spirit. But most people are not going to believe it. Right? Come on. I mean, if somebody shows up today and, and, and you know, some young girl in our church, all of a sudden her, her belly gets to swelling and, and right? And she says, oh, no, I, I haven't known a man. I haven't been with any young man in the church or anybody else. Uh, this is of the Holy Spirit. We're going to go, darling, we love you, but you're lying. I mean, we're, we're going to support you. We're going to help you. We're going to do everything we can, but, but you're lying. And so Mary is in that situation. I mean, she can tell everybody she wants to that this is of God and that God has done this. But I want to tell you, this has never happened before, nor has it happened since. And so she's in a quandary. And she could have moped around. She could have, you know, said, well, why did I get chosen? How horrible this is. I can't believe that for the rest of my life I'm going to be considered a, a woman uh, who didn't keep her chastity until she was married. I, I'm going to be considered that woman. Yeah, and all these things. But what we find is as we read this scripture that Mary, the Bible says, she, she began by saying, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Now that's a good attitude. And so in this season, I want to help us by taking the story of Mary here. I, I want to give you some things today that you need to have in your life as, as kind of attitude adjustments to make sure that you arrive in the right condition at the place that you are supposed to, that you don't get this thing reversed and upside down and wind up crashing, that you really do make a difference. I, I want to tell you, I found through the years that people who have the right attitude can pretty well get through anything. Amen? I mean, it, it's, it, it's interesting to watch people sometimes. I've watched people dealing with, with catastrophic illnesses. I've watched people who have gone through horrible circumstances. I've watched people lose businesses and on and on and on. And, and I have watched some of those who understood how great God was and that he was still in control of their life, and they kept, kept their attitude at the right place. And I have watched how God has so been able to come into their life and to lead them as the 
the Bible says, from glory to glory, from one place of blessing to the next place of blessing, and it's been awesome to watch that. So I don't know where you are today. Maybe everything is great, and I hope that it is, and I'm excited about that for you. But maybe you're kind of in that place today. You're going through some tough times. You're experiencing some bad things. Maybe everything is not the way you want it to be. But I want to tell you today, if, if you can begin to bring these attitudes into your life, you can begin to see the glory of God. Uh, the, the, the first part there is in verse 46. Verse 46 says, my soul magnifies the Lord. So the first attitude that we need to have this year, uh, as we're closing out a year, getting ready to move into a new year, this year, let's live, number one, to magnify the Lord. Amen. All right? Now, I'm going to explain that, but just write it down if you're taking notes. We need to live to magnify the Lord. Now, the, the word magnify means to increase or to enlarge. Uh, it means to make great or glorious, uh, to praise highly, uh, to be of importance or of significance. That's what, what it means to magnify. Here's what I've found through the years. What you magnify is that thing which rules your life. Can I say that again? What you magnify is what rules your life. If you magnify your problems, your problems will win. If you magnify your troubles, your troubles will take over. If you magnify your difficulties, they will. And, and listen, everybody in here, everybody listening to me today, you have some things that are not good. Have you ever went up to somebody and say, hey, how are you doing? They go, oh, everything's great. They'll lie to you about something else. There's never been a day in my life where everything was great. I mean, there's always something. You know, uh, you've, you've experienced wonderful days, but somebody will mess it up before you get home. This is just the way life is. But here's, here's where we've got to focus on. Are we going to focus on the problems and magnify them, or are we going to focus on God and magnify Him? Now you say, well, pastor, God is the omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent one. He is the all in all. He fulfills everything. How, he, he is already the greatest he can be. How can I magnify him? Here's how you magnify him. You magnify God by placing your attention upon him and not upon your struggles. When we magnify Jesus, everything else becomes easier to handle. When you begin to magnify the Lord, the King of kings, the great I am, when you begin to talk about his attributes and who he is, when you begin to describe what he has done in your life, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever had at least one prayer answered in your life? Now, see, that looks like pretty much everybody. Now, here's, here's what I will say to you. When you begin to think about that, the Bible says that we go from faith to faith. The Scripture says God's going to lead us from glory to glory. What does that mean? That means as I have encountered something in my life that God has done, as I focus on that, then my faith expands. My faith grows, and I am able to move forward into what God has for my life. And so I begin to magnify the Lord. I begin to glorify Him. I am at that age now, I hate to admit it, but I am at that age that my eyes are not as sharp as they used to be. 
All right, a few of you are in my age group and you understand that. Um, until about 42 years of age, I had perfect vision. Everything was wonderful. That was 10 years ago. And, and each year I have noticed. Now, I am not to the point that I have to wear glasses all the time. I'm not there. But here's what I've noticed. I have had to go, from, you, know, you know what cheaters are, don't you? Those little glasses you buy at Walmart or at the dollar store, you know, wherever they are. You don't go to a doctor. You don't go to an eye doctor so that he can prescribe your prescription. You just keep upping the magnification. I started at 1.0. I went to 1.5. I went to 2.0. I am now at 2.5. I probably am going to start carrying around a big magnifying glass. The, the, the reason is is that if I don't magnify the words, and most of you are saying, well, how do you preach? Because it's magnified on my iPad. That's, that's why I can just keep getting it larger and larger and larger as, as I need to through the years. That's why I like the iPad. Uh, but but at, what it does is, is that it helps me to see. Watch this. It helps me to see clearly. When you magnify the Lord, it helps you to see clearly you begin to understand what he's up to. I, I read this statement years ago by someone who had been through a, a great tragedy in their life, and they said this. They said, I never saw him so great, and now I find him so good. What they were saying was, is that as I went through a struggle, as I went through a hard time, I never understood how great he was. But when I saw how great he was, not only did I understand his greatness, I also understood his goodness. And I want to tell you, as you magnify the Lord, not only do you see the greatness of God, but you see the goodness of God. But verse 47 says, and she continues in this, in this story, and she says, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. The second thing that we've got to do is that we've got to rejoice in the Savior. Now, we've got to magnify the Lord, but we've got to rejoice in the Savior. The word rejoice there literally means to jump for joy. Hallelujah. Uh, do, do you remember the story in Scripture where the Bible says that the disciples came back to the Lord and they said, Lord, Lord, uh, we, we heal the sick, we cast out devils, we did. And the Bible says, and the Lord rejoiced. If you read that in the Greek, what you find is, is that literally Jesus did a dance. Uh-oh, that messes with some of us, doesn't it? Bless God, you can't dance. I, I'm, I'm just telling you what, what the Scripture says, all right? That, that Jesus literally jumped for joy. He danced around saying, man, that's right, guys, you've done it. This is what I've called you to. And, and the Scripture is saying here is that Mary is saying, my spirit is jumping for joy. Now, I know some of you are way too refined to jump for joy in the natural. But <laughs> let your spirit rejoice. Let your spirit jump for joy. Uh, and it's interesting there as, as she says this. Here's what she says. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. She doesn't say God, the Savior. Now think about this. She is personalizing it. Listen, if you want to really enjoy Christmas, if you want to really make Christmas great and make the rest of your year great, you have got to come to that place where Jesus Christ becomes personal to you. 
that it's not a story that you heard from grandma, that it's not something that you heard in a Sunday school class or something that is a religious story that you've heard somewhere, but that literally Jesus Christ becomes personally your Lord and Savior. That's what it's about. The, The Bible lets us know that Jesus Christ is our hope of salvation. You know what? You're not going to be saved except through Jesus Christ. It is through him. And so we come to that place today uh, of saying, you know what? It is a joy to be saved. Now, we need to convince a lot of Christians of that. I mean, you know, I I go to church a lot of times and and wonder if everybody's dead. They just hadn't laid down. Praise him. Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Really? Come on, the greatest thing that's ever happened on earth and the best you can get is hallelujah. There ought to be some joy. In fact, I think that church ought to be a celebration time. I think that when we come together, there ought to be an uplifting spirit about it. Yes, I understand that we live in a world of darkness. I understand that there's sin that's rampant. I understand all of those things. But I want to tell you, I rejoice in God, my Savior, the one who has redeemed me, the one who has saved me, the one who has secured my salvation. I rejoice in him because of everything that he has done for me. So we need to learn how to rejoice in God, our Savior. And so it doesn't matter what's happening around us. It doesn't matter what's taking place. We can continue to rejoice in God. My attitude is an attitude of rejoicing. Lord, I, I'm going to rejoice. Yeah, the, the lines at the mall are long. The, the, you know, I, the, the people are getting on my last nerves. But, Lord, I'm still going to rejoice in you because you are my Savior. Look at verse 48. It says, For he has regarded the lowly state, of his maidservant, for behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. I, I love that of Mary. I mean, here's Mary. Uh, some scholars say that Mary is a young teenager. That messes with our theology, but we have to understand uh, lifespan in that day probably was 35 to 40 years of age was how long people live. So she's probably somewhere between 13 to 16 years old. Now, that messes with us, but it's just difference in time and, and place. Uh, but, but the Word of God says that Mary begins to declare, and watch what she says. Mary says, for behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. Now, now that's, that's pretty bold. I mean, you're just a little kid, you, you, and, and on top of that, you're pregnant don't have a husband. And yet you are standing and declaring from now on. I just want to tell everybody, from now on, every generation is going to call me blessed. Some of you need to get some henceforth in your life. So some of you need to declare, henceforth, this is what's going to happen. Henceforth, this is what's going to take place in my life. Some of you need to declare, henceforth, my family is going to be blessed. Henceforth, I am going to receive everything that is mine. Henceforth, that which the enemy stole is going to be restored back to me sevenfold. Henceforth. Not, 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 well, I just hope it all works out. No, no, no. You begin to declare the promises of God. See, see the, third, the third aspect of attitude this morning is, is that we've got to learn to enjoy the promises. The, the Bible says that all the promises are yes and amen in Jesus. Now, we think amen is the end of the prayer. In Jesus' name, amen, that means we can look up now. 
right? We're real reverent till then. We hear in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's go. What, whatever it is, food, whatever. No, the word amen just simply means so be it. It's really a double positive in this, in, this, in this scripture. The word of God here is saying all the promises are yes and so be it. He's just saying all the promises are yes and yes in Jesus. Now, here's what the scripture also says. The Bible says that we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. The scripture also says that we are hid with Christ in God. If that is true, then that means all the promises are yes, and so be it in Jesus. But since we're in Jesus, all the promises are yes, and so be it in us. So I can just say, henceforth. You come up to me and say, how's it going? Henceforth. Come on, we need to, we need to change our vocabulary around here. We need to change our vocabulary. That every, every time you talk to somebody from a love and truth church, they're just saying, henceforth. People looking at you, what's wrong with y'all? Henceforth, henceforth I'm blessed. Henceforth the goodness of God is in my life. Henceforth he's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God my healer. Henceforth he's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God my provider. Henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. You know what? Mary didn't have anything of this world that could recommend her to God. There was, there was nothing special about She wasn't in the right family. Uh, she didn't have the right heritage, all of this. But the Bible says God looked on the lowliness, and even in the lowliness, God chose her. The Scripture says it's the way not many wise, not many mighty are called. But God chooses the base things to confound the wise. See, God chose us. We didn't choose him. You ever heard anybody say, I found the Lord? The Lord wasn't lost. You were right? <laughs> you didn't find him. He found you. You were the one who was wandering around out there, all right? He chose us. God's favor is on our life. I, I love this because it's such a great one. We all understand it. And I know I've used it, but some of you haven't heard it. So I want to explain to you favor. Favor is not something you deserve. Favor is something that comes on you that in a moment tra- changes your life. There, there's a person in, in our nation who has had favor on a couple of people that I love to refer to because it's such a good story here. How many of you have ever heard of Dr. Phil? How many of you have ever heard of Dr. Oz? How many of you know what is common in their life? A lady named Oprah. Oprah had favor on Dr. Phil when he was a nobody from Texas, and all of a sudden, now he has been launched 10 years now into the spotlight of our nation. Oprah came along, and I, I don't care if you like Oprah's politics. Come on, some of you are already closing down on me, I can tell. <laughs> Chill for a minute, all right? I read body language well. I've been doing this a while, okay? I, Oprah had favor on a guy named Dr. Oz. And all of a sudden, the reason Dr. Oz had a television show that's on five days a week on multiple stations is because Oprah had favor on him. And in a moment, he went from, I'm sure, a good doctor to all of a sudden being known by the entire world. Listen, if that can happen in the natural from Oprah, what can happen when God has favor on you and all of a sudden lifts you up? In a moment, your life has changed. 
And, and so we rejoice in that. We're, we're excited about it. Number four, and i got to hurry. There are a couple more. Number four, look in verse 50. It says, And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. The fourth aspect of attitude, of, of, uh, attitude is everything. What we need to do is we need to, de- to declare the good news. Here it says, and his mercy, it's, it's a declaration, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. You need to become a prophet, P-R-O-P-H-E-T, a prophet of blessing. Don't be a gloomer and doomer. Amen? I, 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 I periodically, I would challenge you to do this, I periodically will fast the news. Now, I love, I love knowing what's going on in the world. I'm one of those guys who first thing in the morning when I, after my prayer time, I grab my iPad, uh, I click over to the, and, and read what's happening in the world and want to know what's taking place the night of. When I go home in the evening, I want to turn on the news. I want to watch. I, but, but there are times that I just say, no, I'm not going to watch this week or a couple of weeks. Because, why? Because at some point, all it is is doom and gloom and despair. If it bleeds, it leads. You know, if it's negative, they'll pour it out there. There's nothing positive. And so there are those times I just say, okay, uh, you know what? I, I watched it all week last week, and I didn't change anything. So I'm going to go this week, and I'm not going to watch it at all. But you know what I found? At the end of that week, I'm better off than I was at the end of the last week. I'm not near as depressed and, you know, feeling overwhelmed as I was before. We, we need to learn to become prophets of blessing. We need to learn to speak the blessings of God. And, and she says, and his mercy is on those who fear him. We, we need to begin to talk about that, that, that God has mercy on us. The Bible says it this way. It says his mercies are new when? Every morning. Every morning. I don't care what you did yesterday. His mercies are new every morning. Now, I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. Because I have, as of yet, not conquered everything in the flesh. I love, I love church people. I wonder what he's talking about. I'm so glad I don't have that problem. Really, you got a judgmental spirit. That's your problem. See, what, what we've got to do is, is that we have to live with the proper perspective and it will produce the proper response. See, when, when you begin to understand that, and I hope you wrote that down, when you begin to live with the proper perspective, it will produce the proper response. God is touching your life. God is changing your life. But you've got to be willing to say, Lord, whatever's happening in this season, whatever's happening in this time, I believe that you are there. I believe that your presence and your power is there. And so, and so I, want, I want to bring this to you. I want to say it again. I know I've said it twice. Live with the proper perspective, and it will produce the proper response. If my attitude is right, if my attitude is adjusted. See, Mary's, Mary had the proper perspective. Did she understand everything? Of course not. I mean, there, there, were, there were multitudes of questions in Mary's mind. There were all kind of things that she would wanted to know. But what she knew above everything else 
was that God had made a promise in her life. And because of the promise that God had made in her life, she knew that everything was going to be all right. Now I want to tell you something. It's Christmas time. And we want to make Christmas great. But the only way that we can do that is to keep our attitude in the right place. To keep our attitude proper. Lord, let me have the perspective of heaven. Let me not get so caught up with what's happening on earth that I miss out on what's happening in the heavenlies. Let me know that according to your word, listen, all things work together for good to those who are called to the Lord according to his purpose. Mary, is this what you would want? Oh, it's a, it's a great honor. It's the greatest honor that any woman can ever have. But there's great heartache. There's going to be great pain. There's going to be great suffering. Not only am I going to be accused of all kind of things, but I'm going to stand when my son is 33 and a half years old and see him experience inhumane torture. And I'm going to watch him as he hangs suspended from a cross and as he cries out for deliverance. And I'm going to stand there and watch all of that. But you know what? I have to keep the right attitude. Because if I keep the right attitude, I know that God will take what's happening right now and he'll use it for his glory.